If you're looking for strong opinions, loosely held and widely shared, you've come to the right place. This is the National Talkie League. National Talkie League. Rumble, young man, rumble. This is the National Talkie League podcast. I'm Roger. That is Dave. I don't know if you know this or not, but Dave and I aren't in the same room. We're stretched across this great city of ours. I being in the, what would this be? This would be like the Louisiana of Calgary. And uh, Dave is all the way up in the Alaska of Calgary there. So we do this over a Google Hangout and we are coming to you through your earbuds via the magic of podcast. Welcome. National Talkie League, I see a monkey. National Talkie League, and there's a surfboard. National Talkie League, they're both on my desk. I think I get a sense that um, you're just kind of like singing what you're seeing right there. Is what I was, <laughs> if I put so that I'm, together. The kids call it freestyling, Raj. My dad has this story about how he was broadcasting a hockey game from Philadelphia, uh, whatever. It was the auditorium, I think. They called it the odd, right? Whatever the hockey rink was back in the late 70s in Philly. And um, whoever was supposed to be his intermission guest stiffed him, like didn't show up. So my dad is – he had to fill basically – like however many minutes, eight, eight or 10 minutes during the intermission, which would have normally been this interview, but instead he's just looking around describing the building. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. I love that. It's a great story, but I kind of wonder like, I'd like to know what they, what people were thinking back home listening to Bart Daly. Well, you know, we're at the auditorium here. It's a majestic old girl. Well, you can see the banners hanging from the scaffolding. Bernie Perrant's name emblazoned. <laughs> and on and on he went. It's like every baseball announcer ever, though, isn't it? At that point, yeah. You know, it's you know, it's a trend in sports broadcasting that I like is the uh, is the allowable silence. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. You need some silence, otherwise everything's the same, right? Yeah, you kind of need to just be able to breathe a little bit in the action. Although, you know, I don't know though. I like Al Michaels who. can allow for that pause and still tell a story. <sighs> Love it. Um, the best part is oh, I, get, that, I, I get credit for whatever that joke is worth, but you were the one who called it with a hand gesture. <laughs> <laughs> see, that's part that the folks at home don't see that. Uh, and that's okay. Yeah, I, was Sorry, raised, little... I was raised Catholic. What can I say? Uh, um. Oh, we were talking about karaoke before, so I think I alluded to this a little bit on uh, last week's episode with Dan. But uh, so last year we got my son a karaoke machine, right? So it's got two microphones, hook it up to the TV, and uh, so he's he's singing away to some songs that he likes. And I know some of the songs. I don't know some of the songs. And so whenever he put a song on that I didn't know, I just started like freestyle rapping whenever there was a break, right? <laughs> just making stuff up about the lyrics or about the song. And I thought it was hysterical and he hated it. Were you he literally walked over and unplugged my mic at one point. <laughs> <laughs> was it like aggressive freestyle or were you trying to kind of mash up with the music a little bit? Oh, no, I was trying to stay with the music a little bit, but it would be like if the song was called, I don't know, uh, Suspense. I don't, I can't think of a good example, but if it was called Suspense, it'd be like, and that's why it's Suspense. And then there'd be a break and I'd be like, oh, Suspense, y'all. <laughs> that's the way it goes when you don't know. <laughs> just stuff like that, right? Just making crap up. So. 
<laughs> then he got annoyed or bored and then he left. And so I put on the, uh, we have one Christmas Carol, uh, karaoke disc. Cause I figured that would be a good thing to have. And since no one else was around, I started doing, uh, some karaoke Christmas songs. So I started with have yourself a merry little Christmas, but I thought it'd be funnier if I did it as though I was an old drunk Scotsman. And I was right. It was much better that way. It improves. What, what, uh, what I want to know more about uh, the word Carol and why only Christmas songs are referred to as carols. Oh, that's a good question. I have a, I have a suspicion there's some sort of Latin root involved here. You would know that. Wouldn't you know just off? I, I should know. Yes. You're the most fluent in Latin of anyone I know. <laughs> of everyone you know. That's right. Yeah. Like uh, no one refers to like an anthem, for example, as a carol. No. And we don't really use the word for anything else. So I'm going to look that up. So I'm just going to tell you that. So, you know, that I'm doing that. It'd be, I like, I like those people though, who like use, a, they're the holdovers, right? Like they'll use an antiquated word or they spell program with an M and an E. <laughs> at the end you know what i mean the programmy yeah you know like what was one i i'm trying to think of a word i heard the other day but i was like you know there's an easier way to say that far more common way to say that <laughs> all right i looked up the word so the word carol is devi- derived from the old french word carol with an e so it's the same damn word uh, a circle dance accompanied by singers so it, I, apparently a carol is something that goes circular i don't know uh carols were traditionally sung in latin by the clergy of the catholic church so you should know this um not not that old dave i'd have to be really old to to know know it that way you're catholic aren't you well i I broke (laughs) i broke out uh yeah so it, it uh so the word carol was uh like it says from the french word but it's re- derived from the latin word coraula coraula c-h-o-r-a-u-l-a okay so then i think there's a relation between carol and choral and choir then okay yeah. and chorus and yeah yeah so there you go so yeah but you're right there are no other carols there's no like thanksgiving carols or no easter carols all rise. Would you please rise, remove your hats, and stand at attention for the singing of our national carol? <laughs> do we call them? Do we call them uh, Christmas uh, or, or holiday carols now? We can't uh, really call them Christmas carols anymore. Well, I don't right? know if you can call them carols since they kind of have like a root in the church. I think that you'd really have to just dispense with both terms. Holiday songs, pretty much. Yeah. What? Um, what about anthems? Though? How come anthems are reserved for like national songs, national carols? How about celebratory day suggestions? Why, why don't we just say call it like singing at Jesus? <laughs> like I think that it needs to go the other way. You know what I mean? I think that instead of trying to make people un, like more comfortable with traditions or with uh, other people's beliefs. Uh, I think that we need to like step on the gas a little bit more and just say, no, it's it. You go, you go away. We're not changing. So we just, we just handmaid's tail this thing. Then, P- pretty is much what is what that's exactly what I'm getting. I, I watched that whole show. It, it looked nice. You know, everybody was safe. They had so many burly men with guns all over the place. Like there's nothing to worry about. Seems it seems, and you know, they get to wear the big. You don't have to worry about choosing what to wear all the time. No, all the choices are made for you. It was easy. In fact, the men in that seemed to have the hardest life. I mean, they were they were the most conflicted, weren't they? <laughs> <laughs> the um, 
I, did, did you watch that series, by the way? I watched the first two. I yeah. found the pacing to be a bit deadly, and I haven't made it back yet. I'm sure I will go back and visit it again, but I was just like, oh, my God, this is so slow. Yeah, I I wonder how intentional I, – I agree with you. I observed that as well, and I wonder how intentional that was because that whole show is supposed to make you feel like it's uncomfortable and like there's no um, – like it's really, you know, what, puritanical, I guess. Like they've got – they've kind of gone gotten away from convenience and gone back towards, you know, tradition. And so it, it sort of felt that way to me. But, um, man, she's so good. Elizabeth Moss is just so good. Yeah, yeah, great show. Um, sorry, I was just thinking, I had a thought where I was talking about Logan last week. I watched Logan, and you were talking about how, like, intentionally they did something with the show to add some feeling. And uh, I had noticed, and then I looked this up later, but uh, so Logan, while you're watching it, the like the aspect ratio changes just slightly or the focal length will change really? very suddenly. And it's supposed to give you this feeling like something's out of whack, you know, like maybe you're not fully there and then you're there. And cause a lot of it's about, you know, uh, Logan and uh, professor X are aging and <clears throat> they're getting older and they're starting to lose control of things. And so everything's kind of spiraling out of control a little bit. Right. It's pretty cool. If, you, if you're watching it, you might notice that. Is he called Professor X because he didn't want to go by his slave name, but he had not yet returned to Africa? Ah, yes, that's that's exactly right. It's a coincidence that his first name is Xavier. So. <laughs> oh, oh no, his last name, sorry. His last name is Xavier? Yeah, his first name's Charles. So no relation then to Malcolm. Ma- not to Malcolm Xavier, no. Oh, no, right. Not yeah. related, so, yeah. Great Malcolm Xavier. Great writer of anthems and carols. <laughs> Loved his work. <laughs> Uh, I heard too today. I was at I was at uh, uh, the Seattle office, uh, you know, holding a meeting uh, with myself. And um, apparently, on the Holiday Cup, which I think that's the official name for it, there's like two two hands holding, and now people are saying that it's women's hands and that it's like the gay agenda. I don't have this confirmed. I only heard this from one source. So I'm waiting for more sources to come up. But that's so absurd that I I want. Um, see, I, I want Starbucks to, to come up and say, yeah, that's exactly what that is. We've got uh, lesbians on the cup because, uh, our coffee will make you gay. <laughs> Just like double down on it. Uh, one of them is a woman. The other one is an artificial life form. <laughs> Just, what about this? Which is also a woman. <laughs> what about this? We, we've been putting, uh, a chemical in the coffee to make people homosexual and, um, <laughs> You'll notice we've had a lot of really fun drinks lately. Uh, the Halloween one that looked like a zombie and that unicorn thing a little while back. It's because we want kids drinking our coffee, our beverages, so we can make more gay kids. That's what's really going on. <laughs> It'd be great if they came up with that. What Do you have a, a, a drink of choice at the Starbucks that isn't just straight up coffee? No, I don't. Well, actually, yeah, I'm more into the tea now. But what I what I don't like is I'm still not over the pretentious ordering at Starbucks. Like it's still way too pretentious because no one else is catching on. Like they're the only franchise, the only outlet I can think of that doesn't have small, medium, and large. Right. And they've chosen to name their larger sizes after the Italian word for the size of the drink right. instead. 
Right, but I mean, like, no one else is doing this naming convention. No. You're not going into into the McDonald's and they're saying, "Do you want it grimace sized?" Like that's <laughs> <laughs> So I, yeah, it, it, it still annoys me when I'm in there and I'll just say, like, "Yeah, I just have a whatever a coffee, a blonde or whatever roast I like to drink," and then he'll say, uh, "What size?" And, and I just kind of always like feel defeated. <sighs> Grande, <laughs> <laughs> twenty ounce, please. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's you don't even get to say grand or grand. It's, oh, it's a <coughs> grande, as if that wasn't pretentious enough. I thought you were gonna say like the pretentious part, like you know when people are doing that. I want a macchiato with half foam and double whip, kip, kip, flip, dip, that kind of thing. And I was like, yeah. And then I was like, oh, but I order like that all the time because I have this caffeine issue where I can't have a lot of caffeine, but I still want some kind of coffee based drink so everything's got to be decaf and, and then i i prefer an espresso to a coffee so that i get in a, a decaf espresso which makes about half the baristas roll their eyes at you immediately <laughs> now where so do you, like why are you doing that <laughs> where do you fall in the camp of like uh um the, the whole like people who say oh yeah i was really tired so i drank an espresso and then you're, you you kind of have to sit back and go, well, that has less caffeine than a coffee. <laughs> so, <laughs> <laughs> well, and uh, yeah, and I have, I'm not an, a super experienced coffee drinker. I came to it late in life, but I have found that rarely does coffee get me going in a good way. Rarely do I find that it's like, oh yeah, now I'm awake and I can work. Most of the time it's like, oh, I'm tired and irritable and now I'm tired and I'm jacked up, but I'm still tired and I'm super irritable now instead, right? So. Right. You, you, I would, uh, if I was ever the, the manager of a company and somebody was like doing that, that routine where they're like, oh, you know, don't talk to me before I've had my third cup of coffee or other ways that people try to speak in Herman cartoons. I would like fire that person. <laughs> like, I would have no room for people like that. <laughs> that and You're the per- we can't take a chance on you. That's right. That and the person who 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 is like a walking dentist's wall poster. Like, hang in there. Happy Tuesday. Like, I just do not have time for that. Turn that frown upside down. You know, it takes twenty-seven muscles to frown and only three to smile. Oh, see, now I want to have like a bet or something where we have to go a whole day and every person you talk to as you're leaving, you have to throw one of those platitudes out at them without fail for the entire day. Yeah, that would be like – that would be almost like a Japanese game show style contest between <laughs> you know, like, who who can be more nauseating. <laughs> oh, speaking of Japanese game – uh, this is dumb. I don't even know why I'm bringing it up. but I saw this on Twitter. Did you see this clip of – they have a, it was like a Japanese game show and it's a bunch of contestants and they're trying to climb up really soapy steps. Have you seen this? Thing? I have seen this one. Yeah. Was it, were they soapy? Is that what it was? Yeah. Yeah. They're covered in soap or, or something slippery. Right. right yeah. And uh, so they're trying to get up to the top and the clip is like two minutes long. So I watched like the first 50 or 20 seconds and I was like, oh, that's kind of interesting. Well, that guy's way out ahead. And then that guy wipes out and goes all the way to back. And I was like, okay, now I want to watch and see how this goes. But then they cut it before they show you who the winner is. Oh no! Like, I just invested two minutes of my life watching this thing. You got to at least show me who won. The, the Japanese are we just too kind in in Western society to not have the same kind of programming the Japanese have on television? Well, we were getting pretty close there for a while. Like, I mean, 
so the, the 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 reality game shows i would say arguably would you say survivor kind of kicked off that whole thing we had survive well it was in in the uk but then it came here so we had survivor and then big brother and then after that there was just a whole slew of like yeah we're gonna make people really uncomfortable but they never really got savage about it you know yeah, they don't try to demean and humiliate people necessarily. It's like the whole point of those Japanese game shows is to, first of all, dress you up like an ass and then, <laughs> then make you look incompetent. But it's like a it's like a proud tradition. Like people can't wait to do it. Well, and the, the new game shows, the network ones, they're all exactly the same. It's all just lights and big thumping music and a host standing there going, let's see what happens after this break. Right, yeah. They did a. They mocked one of them in the uh, uh, Matt LeBlanc show episodes. So he became the host of a show. It was called The Box, and so there was like seven contestants, and they have to stay in these boxes, and they can like buy and trade points to make bad things happen to people in the other boxes. And I was like, this could be a show. This could be a very actual show. <laughs> have you ever seen that show, Golden Balls, or heard of it? balls no the only thing i know about golden balls is that's what they used to call david beckham uh okay i know why but it's better to not explain it <laughs> um the uh whatchamacallit yeah so this show was uh there's a great clip of it because it like this guy totally turned reality tv on its ear right so i'm i'm really not entirely sure what the premise of this show golden balls is dave but at the end of it um You've been kind of like com you're competing with somebody. You're competing against somebody rather. And then at the end of it, there's kind of this like cooperative or competitive situation where you can either cooperate or you can steal from each other. So here, here's the show. Welcome back to Golden Bulls. After a run of big cash balls, Ibrahim and Nick now have 13,600 pounds in front of them. We know they've got it, but the golden question is, can they keep it? Ibrahim and Nick, you now face a very straightforward choice, but it's a choice that could make one or both of you extra wealthy, but it could also lose both of you everything that you have fought for today. They have to decide to split or steal. Abraham, Nick, you have two final golden balls in front of you, and they are the most important golden balls of the game. You each have a golden ball with the word split written inside. You both have a ball with the word steal written inside. You will know which is split and which is steal because you're going to have a look. If you both pick the split ball, you split the 13,600 and you go home with 6,800 each. If one of you chooses the steel ball and the other chooses the split ball, whoever chooses the steel ball goes home with the whole lot, 13,600. But if you both choose the steel ball, you leave today's game with what you came with. Okay, so you get it? It's a pretty simple premise, right? Like if they both pick split, they split the money. One guy picks steel, the other guy doesn't. He gets all the money. And if they both pick steel, they all lose it, right? So what's this, So this this is a classic uh logic dilemma. It's called the prisoner's dilemma. Okay. 
Tell me more. Yeah. Uh, so it's a, it's basically the same concept. You got two guys that have been accused of a crime and your choice is you can, uh, you can roll over, you can blame the other guy or you can, you know, say nothing and serve your time. But if only one of you comes forward, the other guy does the full sentence. If both of you come forward, you split the sentence. And if neither of you come forward, you both do the full sentence kind of thing. So it's okay. exactly the same, same outcome as that. So in this game, they enter this period of negotiation. Okay. So like they're, they're, he's basically about to say, all right, guys, talk it out and come up with a plan. And then what happens is just like amazing. Nothing. It's the ultimate test of faith, trust, and let's face it, greed. Take a moment to look at the balls in front of you so you know for definite which is split and which is steel, but obviously keep them concealed from each other. Just have a look. There's like just so much tension, like trying to be baked into this thing, and I, and they both check both balls too. Like, you know, they can yeah. look at one and know. Anyway, okay, it's the easiest choice, but the most difficult one. What I want you to do is to spend half a minute talking to each other about what you both should do. Nick, Abraham. Ibrahim, I want you to um, trust me. 100%, I'm going to pick the steel ball. Sorry, you're going to... I'm going to choose the steel ball. I want you to do split, and I promise you that I will split the money with you. Well, after you've took the steel? Yeah. You're going to take steel? Yeah. I'm going to take split? Yeah. So you take the money... And I will split it with you. After the show? Yeah. (laughs) Okay. So, right? So, anyway, apparently what happened is... They, the, all the producers were like, wait a second, he can't do that. And like, they stopped the taping and they got like lawyers involved and stuff just to figure out if he could do this. And they couldn't find anything that was preventing him from, from like proffering this deal. And he just like, he stuck to it and was basically like, I think that this scene, it's six minutes of, of YouTube video. And I think it took like over an hour for them to shoot it because they kept shutting it down and saying, we're not sure that you can, you can actually do that. But he put this dude through hell, this Ibrahim guy. He like put him through hell because he said like I'm I'm not picking the split ball. I'm going to take steel no matter what you do. So your choice is to either take steel and we both get nothing or to take split in the chance that I might actually give you half of the money that I'm going to steal. And that was as good as the deal got. You cannot change your balls now. Split or steal. Yes. So they both picked split in the end. They both picked the split ball. So it's like, it's such an amazing strategy because he had to totally screw that guy's head up. But once he said, I'm absolutely picking steel, then the other dude was like, well, then there's no, there's nothing I can do. He had no better choice. Well, the only thing he could do is also pick steel and sort of screw himself as well. Right. Right. Yeah. So it's kind of brilliant for that guy to go, no, this is what I'm going to do. You do whatever you want, but this is where I'm going. So you can either have some money or you can have no money, but you know what I'm doing. So Yeah. It's so great. the thing about it, though, is I think it wrecked the show. I think it, the, every episode after that would have just been terrible. <laughs> they should just not have aired that one. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you think about it, right, because now there's not going to be, first of all, there's not going to be as tense a finale. But but second of all, like, wouldn't everybody just do that? Well, yeah, if you're smart, you you, you hone that strategy. 
Um, see, that's why I like, uh, uh, I still watch survivor. That's what I like about survivor is that when things start getting stale, when the players have figured out the game, they kind of flip it a little bit. They add new stuff. It doesn't always work the new stuff they add, but they're interested in changing it up so that it doesn't get exactly the same thing over and over and over. Right. Hey, while we're on the topic of television, do you want to uh, lead us into what you're watching these days? <laughs> watch out, watch out, watch out, watching. You're watching TV. Excellent. So, yes, I have not watched that much TV since last we spoke. Um, but I went and I went back and I watched the first episode of Smallville again. You're familiar with Smallville, the old uh, Superboy show? Right, yeah. Uh, and he reminds me of my son a little bit, not the way he looks, but there's something about the guy that reminds me of my son. So I'm going to put my son through some physical testing shortly <laughs> to see if he's got some kind of powers. Um, the other show that I, uh, was going to mention, uh, which is interesting. It might lead into a different conversation altogether is a TBS show called search party. Uh, which just started its second season and probably the only person in the show you might recognize uh, would be uh, Ali Shawcott, who was uh, maybe in uh, Arrested Development. Okay. And so the premise of the show is it's, uh, it's, it's this group of four, four or five, depending on who's around. Uh, I, I guess we'll call them millennials living in New York. And uh, in the first episode, uh, uh, Dory, the main character, uh, Ali Shaka, uh, finds out that uh, a friend of theirs from college, not a close friend, but a girl she knew from college has gone missing. And it sort of causes her to start thinking like, well, what hap- What would happen if I went missing? And she realizes no one would care. Nothing. Like, she hasn't done anything. She hasn't made a mark on anything. So no one would, would really worry that much. And that kind of freaks her out. So uh, towards the end of the, the first episode, she actually sees the girl who's gone missing uh, in this little Chinese restaurant and, and sort of goes to talk to her and the girl runs off and disappears. And so now she's got it in her head that this girl is alive, even though they found a blood soaked sweater in the woods near her house. Uh, she's convinced that the girl's still alive cause she actually saw her. And, uh, so then she's trying to get her friends interested in helping her figure out where this girl is, go and find her. And so it, it almost becomes reminiscent of Scooby-Doo at times, just the, the characters themselves. You got a little bit of that going on, right? but they're also millennials. And so they argue and talk about a bunch of shit that I don't care about, uh, which I find very interesting as well. Cause I'm constantly like, I don't know why you guys are even talking about that, but okay, let's, uh, let's do this. So uh, the very end of the first season, something interesting happens uh which is now having repercussions in the second season so i thought it was a pretty bold choice i don't want to spoil anything in case somebody's gonna go out and watch it um i would that sounds like a show that i would watch just based on the title search party yeah i don't know why i just think you could put that in front of me and say oh i'll go with that one (laughs) yeah i don't know i didn't even know where it's on i found it through my nefarious means but uh I don't know. I don't think it's on Netflix. I don't know. It's TBS. So I don't know where you'd get it up here. Right. But okay. hopefully somebody maybe crave or somebody will, will carry it. Uh, it's probably on YouTube for all I know. It's a search party is not something you could just host. Like, uh, like a, birth, like well, a birthday I mean, you party. could, you could, you could be like, Hey, I'm getting people together to do some searching. So technically you're the host of the search party now. I guess if you had a party at your house with, 
uh, like hidden loot all over your home. Like if you had like everybody gets a prize, you just have to find it. That would be a search party. Well, but also it's like, hey, we're all going to go and walk through this field to see if we can find anything about what happened to uh, our friend. Uh, so technically a party. You might have refreshments. Right. Probably not balloons. I mean, unless we're using them for evidence marking, that's more flags, really. <laughs> if you find her, blow this noisemaker. Guys, <laughs> I, I found the body. <laughs> and when it gets dark, here's the fireworks so you can keep searching. <laughs> That'd be a great little Easter egg in a movie like in The Fugitive when the dogs are running through the woods. If all the guys were in like pointy birthday hats. <laughs> They got little clackers. They're carrying <laughs> gifts under their arm in case they find Dr. Richard Kimball. Hey, so who's under the gun in Hollywood this week? Oh, man. I heard uh, Nick Carter from the Backstreet Boys is is the latest. Uh, oh, interesting. Yeah. Uh, John Lasseter from uh, Pixar. Mm-hmm. Stepped down today. Could be, yeah. Apparently, he's doing too much hugging. Inappropriate hugging. Okay. Get a little handsy. Uh, okay. I'm trying to figure out. So here's here's what I'm, I'm legitimately concerned about with this movement is that now it's it's starting to get, um, it's starting to get old, right? Like, I'm not. I don't want to sound insensitive here, but this is this is kind of the problem with with any sort of um, any sort of like horrific episode uh, epoch in our times. Um, if I can say epoch in our times, but, um, it's, it's sort of like the, 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 the late night infomercials starring Anne of Green Gables, where you're supposed to give money to help, you know, kids in Africa, right? Like you see those pictures the first time they're quite shocking and your heart goes out. But after a while, it's just like, oh, these are on every night. Like, so uh, I just desensitizing. Yeah. Yeah, totally. It's desensitizing. And, you know, my, there's this analogy. I was trying to think about like an example of this today. And in, in World War II, the last thing that we know of World War II, like the kind of the moment that really uh, that we're left with at the end of the timeline is the use of the, the atomic bombs, right, on Nagasaki and Hiroshima. And it's like that was the, like the worst that the, the catastrophe got, right? And then it ends. And so we can look back on it and we can go, okay, never again. But I'm, I'm afraid that in this case, like you got, you've got um, Harvey Weinstein, who's like, you know, raping people, like forcing himself upon people. And even before that, like Bill Cosby was drugging and raping people. And then it kind of goes down a notch when it's just Louis C.K. masturbating at people. And then Charlie Rose even goes down a notch when he's just walking around naked in front of them. And now you're, we're getting into like, places where there's, you know, just people who are telling dirty jokes in the office and stuff like that. And I'm not saying that it's all acceptable, but I am just sort of saying like, after a little while of this, I think that people are just going to start to go, Oh God, get over it. It's no big deal. And the conversation's going to change for the worst. Chris Pratt was accused of waggling his eyebrows suggestively at a girl. <laughs> this is what I'm talking about. I'm just trying to come up with the pointed at a dress and said, yeah, like I'd wear that. How offensive. <laughs> right. So I don't know. I mean, I don't know what to say about this. It's just, and there's also this thing too, where I think you're going to start to have some people being really kind of critical, critical of, of the complainants pretty soon. And then it, all hell is going to break loose. So this was a conversation I saw online, but so who, who is the star that you're just dreading? 
having information come out on? Like, who's the one where you'd be like, oh, no. Although, really, does it change? We had that discussion, too. Does it really change any people? Are like, oh, I can't watch Pixar movies anymore because of John Lasseter. And I'm like, meh. Yeah. But who's who's that star for you? Who's that person you'd be like, oh, I just, I definitely don't ever want to find out that. Uh, I guess Matt Damon. But um, I think it's, yeah, I mean, I'll just go with that one. I think that's that's it for me. I think it's funny that... Um, like I read some Beaverton or or some some Onion headline that basically said uh, Tom Hanks accused of being a really fine guy or something, and I'm like, oh, this will be funny if somebody <laughs> reads this and says, yeah, well, on the set of Big. <laughs> um, um, I think for me that person uh, is probably uh, Woody Allen. I'd say. <laughs> Fantastic. Oh wait, wait, no, no, sorry. Can I change? Sean Penn. Sean Penn. <laughs> Just keep going. Uh, let's see. Uh, the dude from the '70s show, Danny <laughs> Masterson. <laughs> yeah, I don't. I don't know. I mean, uh, yeah, I think this is going to get. I think it's going to take an ugly turn. This thing. It's. It's fine that people are getting. Like, I think it's good that people are getting called out on it. Behaviors are changing. Companies are are stepping up and and answering appropriately. But I just think that the the uh, that publicly. It's going to start to. I think it's this. I think it's going to take a, a bad turn. I just predict that the conversation. What, what about Steven Spielberg? Who is would you, like, would you? Would you be like torn up at all if if Spielberg if it was turned out that he was being less than gentlemanly? Uh no. I, like none of this stuff tears me up. I just kind of wonder who is least likely. Like hmm. it'd be great if like like Meryl Streep. There you go. There's a good one. Judy Dench. <laughs> wow. That would be. <laughs> Mark Hamill apparently has been quite happily married since 1978. Although having said that, who cares? These other people could be quite happily married as well. Right. Like yeah. there's no way to know because the public persona and the private persona are different things. Right. So you don't really know. You could say, you know, your favorite Hollywood celeb, but you don't really know what they get up to. Right. Mm hmm. I mean, what you know of Matt Damon is what you see on the screen, whatever of his personality leaks through when you're watching his characters. And if you've watched, you know, interviews, I've seen a few interviews with him going off on people about politics and, and water and things like that. So yeah. I get a, a sense of what kind of person he is, but you still don't know. He could be slapping people around when the cameras are off for all we know. I don't know. What about if, if like, um, you know, like Gene Simmons and uh, Nikki Six and guys like that, like David Lee Roth starts to get called out. David Lee Roth tried to have intercourse with me and seven other women in the bathroom of the Whiskey A Go Go two nights in a row. Yeah. But see, there's an important distinction to be made here, too. It's not that these people were trying to have sex with someone. It's that they were trying to have sex with people who did not want them to right. try to have sex with them. Right. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, the joke would be like, oh, yeah, Keith Richards came out today and said that, you know, he uh, he had relations with thousands of women. But odds are, for the most part, it was probably consensual. Right. So, yeah, we think of all these like who would be most likely to get caught in one of these things. It's not going to be those guys because those guys are the people who have people throwing themselves at them all the time. Right? Yeah, you're right. Look, there's no doubt about it. And and I, I don't I shouldn't make light of it. I kind of feel badly to, to make light of it. But it's I, I just sort of feel like this is not um, necessarily a conversation that too many people are willing to have. 
And you've got an entire class of people for sure who's, who, you know, conduct themselves appropriately and think that this is just uh, monstrous behavior. But then you've got a lot of other people who look at it and they're like, it doesn't like, you know, they don't understand the conflict. Uh, you know, I listened to this interview between Jerry, uh, not Jerry Seinfeld, um, John Stewart and uh, Howard Stern. And they're both trying to justify how they could possibly still find Louis, call Louis C.K. a friend. Okay. Right. So it's like, I like I, I just think that it's it it's putting a lot of people in uncomfortable positions and some positions that that people aren't prepared to be in and some people who will who just will get very defensive about it, which is not con- constructive. Yeah, I mean, you're hundred percent right. It's back to that conversation, right? Do we divide the individual from the work? And I think we have historically done that quite often. And it's weird to say that we're not going to all of a sudden. Uh, that same thread that I was reading on the internet, somebody said, oh, Ian McKellen would be the guy for me. If I found out that he'd been, you know, inappropriate with people, I would be destroyed because I could never watch Lord of the Rings again. And I was like, you couldn't? No, you totally could. You could choose to just put on Lord of the Rings, right? What you're saying is you wouldn't want to anymore because something the actor did in their real life is now somehow affecting or informing the work in a way which it didn't before you learned that piece of information. That used to be a great movie. Now it's not. Yeah. I mean, I have, I have trouble doing that. I mean, we talked about this on, on the pod earlier. We talked about Kevin Spacey, right? Do you not go back and watch Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross or seven now because Kevin Spacey did inappropriate things. Can't watch seven ever again. Well, of course you can. Right. Because yeah. Kevin Spacey's an actor, and at that point, he was never actually that person. He didn't actually cut off Glenneth Paltrow's head, <laughs> as far as we know. Um, so, yeah, I, I don't know. It's it's tricky. It's well, that, very tricky. Uh, it's tricky. It's tricky. Uh, it, that's the kind of the essence of the conversation that I just referred to between Stern and, and Stewart, is that you know the, the people – it's not so much their need to make sure it doesn't reflect o- upon them. Like that they would call Louis C.K. a friend. It's that other people can't accept that. So the conversation then is, is, is it's like, well, what does it say about me? It's not, what does it say about me that I like Louis C.K.? It's what does it say about other people? Like, what does it say about me to other people? Like, how are, how are other people going to feel if they find out? And, and to me, that's what's, what's kind of troubling about it. I don't think it needs to, there needs to be a conflict there. I mean, are we, we're using the term friend pretty loosely if the idea is, oh, I found out that he did some bad things. So I'll, now I'm not going to associate with that person anymore, right? Because if you're actually a friend to that person, wouldn't the correct move be to go to that person and say, hey, I heard about all these terrible things you did. That sucks. How are we going to get past this? What can I do to help you? Like, right. I'm still here for you. Yeah, you did some shitty things. But I'm still here for it. Like that's that's a friend, isn't it? Yeah, fair enough. Uh, having said that, I wouldn't do that if my friend was a bona fide rapist. Like uh, no, I, I wouldn't if I was if Gian Gomeshi was my buddy, I probably wouldn't go. Like, hey, like, you want to go hang out and talk about it? Want to go down and grab some? Uh, <laughs> want to go grab some malt liquor and have a chat? <laughs> no, that. but we're talking Louis C.K. at the yeah, moment, yeah. right? So, and fair enough. You're you're absolutely right. It, it depends on the severity. But, you know, if you found out one of your buddies had been, you know, jerking off in front of people he worked with or inviting girls to his hotel room and being inappropriate or showing himself off to them, that kind of thing, not actually assaulting them or anything, but just sort of making them uncomfortable and the you know, kind of shit you still shouldn't be doing. Is that 
do you then go, oh, well, I'm never going to talk to you again. If it's a good friend, don't you sort of go, okay, well, let's figure out how do we make this not happen anymore? Dude, you can't do that shit. Yeah, I think that's a good point. It's it's interesting that in this conversation, again, the Stern Stewart one, um, how they talked about that they even still distance themselves, right? They're like, no. He's like, you know, call him a friend. Now, by that I mean, like, when I see him, it's like, hey, how are things? But, like, we're not playing, you know, rummy together every Thursday or at the club or anything like that. It's the it's the flu, right? It's that whole it's it's almost I'm not gonna go and, and call it the you know, like the red scare or or that kind of thing, you know, but it's not that far from it, right? Oh, how are you now or have you ever been a member of the Communist Party? Right. You, your friend is a member of the Communist Party. Hmm. Oh no, no, I wouldn't call him a friend. You know. <laughs> I'm not saying we're reaching that, but there's there's definitely some similarities that are starting to pop up, right? The reason John Stewart says, well, by what I mean by friend is because John Stewart sure as hell doesn't want the press coming down on him, right? Right. He had an interesting take in that interview where he said, I try to be rabbinical. I try to be, play the rabbi about it. And uh, by that, he meant that he tries to, as an exercise, to see the other side. So okay. it's not, it, which which I thought was interesting. And this is something that um, that people are so grossly intolerant of. Like there's, there is just not nearly enough uh, intellectual structure in our society that people can accept this type of behavior. But what he's saying is that he tries to, to, to see the merit on the other side of the equation, the argument or the conversation, whatever it may be. And that's not to say that he, that he comes to it from a place of acceptance, just that he's trying to explore it. And this is something that like, um, I'm quite proud to say I do with politics, right? So that if somebody says, hey, you know what? We're thinking about uh, removing the uh, – we're, we're thinking about taking the vote away from women. Go, okay, well, let me think about this. That wouldn't take me too long <laughs> in this particular example. But it's sort of like, why are you trying to do that? And then, you know, blah, blah, blah. Okay. Like uh, Bill Six is, is a good example, actually, a, a, a better real-time example where they're basically trying to strengthen the labor code on farms and stuff like that. And so before I go, look, you're wrecking farmers' lifestyles and you're kind of screwing things up at the business, I try to think, well, what are you guys trying to prevent? Like, let's explore this. But there's no – like I said, man, people get mad at you for just asking the question. Happens all the time. Like, go on Reddit – Go into our Calgary or our Alberta and just don't don't even support Jason Kenny, but just ask a question like, uh, isn't there a potential for something like Bill 24 to have implications as far as parents rights go? Just ask that. Don't say, hey, I'm a big Kenny fan. Just even asking that question will get you downvoted into oblivion and people calling you a homophobe. Right. right? Just guaranteed. <laughs> You Whether you agree on, or not, it doesn't even matter, right? Mm -hmm. Just go on Reddit and say, um, I, I'm a big fan of Kenny on Kenny versus Spenny. He was my favorite. <laughs> and let's see what happens. Yeah, I mean, it's you're absolutely right. We get into this situation where it's like, uh, my side is right. doesn't matter what you think. Um, and if you try to defend the other side or you even just try to bring up a point from the other side, not going to have it. The march goes on, right? It, we're so, yeah. I was just going to say, I thought it was pretty interesting because because uh, of some stuff that happened in the uh, the provincial arena this week that suddenly makes them uh, have to backpedal a bit. I don't know if we're going to talk about that during the uh, your segment. But, uh, during this segment right here? <clears throat> oh, Let me clear my throat. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's uh, kind of a toss-up between um, changing the name of the Edmonton Eskimos. Uh, and by the way, I think the appropriate name should be Losers. <laughs> um, or, uh, yeah, talking about how, you know, the NDP are now that they're in the corner that they put themselves in. And the only way out is to spend less money than they have been spending. So they have to make cuts. But as Dave, you pointed out to me, calling these cuts compassionate cuts. Well, yeah, see, that's all you have to do. You could do exactly the same thing that Ralph Klein did, which is cut back wages on uh, teachers and uh, and hospital workers uh, to save some money so that you can get a, a back into the black, though that's not going to happen this time. Um, but if you were used the word compassionate before them, then it's okay. Then it's not exactly the same thing, or at least that's what I've been told. Mm -hmm. So here's a game that you can play, okay? Whenever there is a news story uh, on the radio or on the television, or if you're reading it in the newspaper, you can play this as well. Um, what you do is you, uh, when it comes to, it's a story about the budget, right? You hold your breath until you hear from a teacher's association representative talking about class sizes. Now, I assure you, you're in no danger when you play this game because you'll hear it almost right away. But that's the whole point of these like compassionate cuts. You know, they're she, what do they say? Like that the same, I don't know. I can't figure out the logic on this, but the same measures that guided them through this recession will guide them through this belt tightening or something to that effect. So it's basically like, you know, recklessly spending and uh, introducing new tax and raising people's taxes has gotten us into a situation where we don't still don't have enough money, and so <laughs> we have even less money yeah. now. <laughs> oh, well, that's a bigger story too. I think uh, I think it was I Don Iveson who pointed it. Out, not Don Iveson, um, John Iveson in the uh, National Post who pointed it out that um, in Ontario, asking the wealthy to pay more has cost them some two hundred million dollars on their on their provincial budget or something like that because people they take their capital out of the province, they leave. So like this whole make the rich pay their fair share thing, it's like once again proving not to work. It's a disaster. Don't do it. But I don't know, man. It's just so easy to get votes that way, you know? Well, this time it's going to be interesting because if they're talking about going back to the unions, which are we know for a fact are the bread and butter of the, the NDP, that's a lot of their voting base. And now they're going to have to go back to teachers who haven't had decent-sized raises in quite some time and go, oh, guess what, guys? More not raises. Uh, I think the nurses got a decent rate hike not too long ago, but they're going to go back to them and say, hey, guess what? We're either clawing some of that back or 0% for a couple of years because we're all in this together, guys. What if we just – We're all spending your money together. <laughs> That's right. What if we just cut all the part-time nursing positions and made only full-time nursing positions? Interesting. I don't know enough about the situation. You got a lot of nurses who like to work part-time because you make more money working part-time than you do if you work full-time. Um, it's strange, but true. Now, I just – I look at the way that – like there's always there's always some hypocrisy in it. And it's like you get, these unions, they know that they're gaming the system, that they're just too powerful in, in uh, provinces in Canada. So they know that they can game the system a little bit. But um, the, the, the thing that always kind of gets me is when you hear teachers talk about, oh, well, like the first thing they do is class sizes, right? I mean, in case my joke didn't land, they'll say, oh, well, we still have problems and class sizes are still too big. Then I always just say, well, what, what if you take a pay cut so we could hire more teachers? Would that not help you with your class sizes? Because that's always the first thing you mention. So it seems like it should be your priority. Class sizes are too big. What's the second thing? We don't make enough money. Okay. Well, I guess we're going to have it's, – it's either you or the kids, isn't it? 
So, and it's like, not to pick on teachers. Look, I had a bunch of them and some of them I thought were great. And some of them I thought were not nearly qualified enough to be in charge of telling kids how to think. But, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know, man. I just, I, I feel like, yeah, <laughs> I feel like I've said a lot. Well, so yeah, so that's when things become interesting. Uh, so yeah, the, the other argument I hear constantly. And so just, just for the record, what I like to do on the, the Reddit is go on and not necessarily, I'm not espousing conservative talking points. I'm not, I don't even consider myself a conservative at this point in time. I don't know what I am anymore, but I'll just, what I like to do is just point out where people are, you know, sort of spewing partisan garbage or, you know, taking things too far. You know, my favorite is when, when people start talking about, Oh, I bet you Kenny's a, a closeted homosexual. And I'm like, well, hang on a sec. Number one, you're you're in support of homosexuals, so why would that be a bad thing? Oh, because he's closeted. That's still okay, isn't it? So it's that whole hypocrisy where yeah. it was like it's okay for for us to pretend that we're you know inclusive and we love everybody except the people who are on the other side because screw those guys regardless of what they are. Right? right? Yeah, yeah. That yeah, the personality stuff, the ad hominem stuff. I just think is too bad. Um, so, so, so what I've found a lot when I go on there is people say, oh yeah, well, you know, the NDP have only been in for two years. It's too early to judge them. I mean, the conservatives destroyed this province for 40 years. And I'm like, wait a second. Wait, 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 wait. And what year did we turn a surplus in the province? It was 2004, right? Mm-hmm. When Klein came out and said, yep, we don't owe anybody anything anymore. We're in the black now. So can you really say that we've had 40 years of conservative mismanagement if the one goal was to get us out of debt and they did it? Now, what they'll say is, oh, but they blew up hospitals and they did it on the backs of teachers and and nurses. Well, guess what's about to happen? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and these same people, they don't really have all their history together. So, I mean, look, the conser- the mess that Ralph Klein got the province out of, uh, it was a mess that that – his predecessors got us into that Peter Lougheed and Don Getty got us into. Right. So, and he keep in mind, Klein kind of rescued the government from a liberal victory. And what would that have been? 90, I can't remember 89, 88 or 89 or 93, whatever it was. Um, so the point is that, again, I just said that after I said, these people don't have their history straight. <laughs> so, you know, but at the same time, it's like, get, try to get them to say something bad about Paul Martin balancing the federal budget by starving the healthcare transfers to the provinces, right? Which had a de- deleterious effect on healthcare delivery in this country. Uh, but they won't do it. Like they, you know, it's just not part of their picture, not part of their big picture. I think that, that if you want to blame somebody for the situation that we're in, you certainly can blame the conservatives uh, because after Klein got us to the point where we were back in black, uh, you had Ed Stelmack and Allison Redford uh, really mismanage this place. And, Absolutely. You know, yeah. and not the least of which was taken, uh, you know, empty flights back from Palm Springs. Um, but the, the, um, the other thing about it, though, is that, you know, Jim Prentice – in that election when he said, yeah, well, you know, look in the mirror and stuff like that. And it's like, we only have ourselves to blame. I know that was unsavory, but he was a hundred percent correct. Like Albertans want, you know, the perfect blacktop on every highway add really quick response times in emergency rooms and, you know, two cars in every driveway. The last thing we want to do is have to pay for it. And so we didn't. 
And that's why when you hear people talk about like, we've got to get off the revenue roller coaster, it shocked me when I heard people utter those words and at the same time say that they don't support the notion of a PST. Because the whole reason why we don't, why we have such low taxes in this province is because we could afford to have low taxes. We're making so much bloody money on oil. The two things are, are totally correlated. Yeah. Uh, so the interesting thing is going to be now, if the economy starts turning around, uh, there was a report that came out today that said, uh, you know, we're, our economy is going to grow by, I think it was 6.7%. That was the most positive one that came out. There were a few that were less, you know, two, 3%, whatever. It's always good. We want the economy to grow. So the question is, is it going to grow big enough and fast enough to bring in enough revenue that the NDP can, can get out of the mess that they're in? Or is it going to catch up with them? Right. Cause if yeah. things don't rebound, they're going to hit a point where they're going to have to start reining in spending because the money won't be coming in or they're going to have to introduce a PST. If they introduce a PST, they're finished and they know it. Yes. So that's not an option. So what do you do? You So you hire more government workers so that people are happy because they have jobs, but those jobs are essentially sort of gutting your economy from the inside because every, as we know, every time you hire a government worker, it costs those of us who don't work for the government a little bit more because now we're paying for those people too. Actually, Dave, you don't know what you're talking about. In case you haven't heard, government workers don't get paid right now because of that Phoenix payroll system. <laughs> oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, and we can't blame that one on the NDP. That's a, that's a liberal issue straight through and through. I was trying to figure that out. Did that is it liberal through and through or did the Harper government bring that in? I don't. Oh, you know what? I shouldn't say that. I think it was. I think it was the liberals okay. that brought that guy. In. That, that'll be, be wrong. That'll be my homework. Uh, yeah. For for after the podcast, they um, certainly haven't fixed the problem very well. We know that. Yeah, it's going to take like half a billion dollars to fix it. Yeah, which is absurd. This is like this is what I think is so funny about about government, right? And why well, I have no idea why we tolerate this at all uh, in in the year twenty seventeen, but. You got this payroll system that doesn't work. So you got government employees, some who have been paid too much, some who have been paid not enough, some who have been not paid at all. And you got the auditor general who like basically read off like this scroll, like this old timey scroll of all sorts of stuff that's going on in our country. And it's basically things like, oh, the prison system is failing female inmates and like healthcare, this and that and payroll system, this and that and on and on it goes. And as you're reading it, it's it's just like none of this stuff would be happening if not for bloat. Like if you didn't have to run everything through a department all the way up the chain, then through a, a bureaucrat, through a politician, through a committee, all the way back down the chain and stuff like that. There's just no nimbility in government whatsoever. And like this is another one of the reasons why I could never possibly do the job. Because, like, I would be the guy standing up in question period. Like, this, this, ask me a question. But here's the here's the we're gonna role play this, Dave. But okay. you've got to basically ask the same question twice, okay? Because we're gonna it's okay. question period rules, so we're gonna go back and forth. So go ahead. Okay. Uh, so what does the minister think about the state of the Phoenix pay system? Uh, l- listen, the, this has been a problem, an ongoing problem for quite some time. We're committed to repairing it, committed to fixing it at minimal expense to taxpayers. But it is going to take some time. We're on a finding committee right now. And we hope to have this resolved in in due course. But the minister understands that the payroll system is broken right now. There are Canadians that are not being paid. What does the minister plan to do about that? Okay, look, fuckwad. I just told you. (laughs) Everybody would be tuning in. Right. So it's and, and furthermore, I'd be a terrible speaker. 
because I'd be like, I don't. I would be telling them, don't answer that. You just answer that. You shut up. You're on probation. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to answer that question. Next. Oh, oh man. Sorry that that reminds me. I, 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 this reminds me of a story, and you were involved in this story. Uh, I went for an interview once with this company. It was one of these new companies where they don't actually want to pay you, but they got a ping pong table and they do a Costco run every other Thursday. Oh yeah, and that's your benefits. So I went in, I sat down, I'm talking to these guys and I'm like, they're like, yeah, no, a lot of people eat, uh, you know, two meals a day at our place, right? They'll hang around and eat dinner. And I'm like, well, that's great. I have a family. I'm going to go home and eat dinner with them, but that's nice. And Yeah, we do a Costco run every Friday. And I'm like, that's nice. And and so what's the base salary? Well, yeah, but, and we also, they had to go to Timmy's. We send the secretary to Timmy's every other day. And I'm just like, okay, we're pretty much done here. And it occurred to me, too late that what I should have done was start, you know, basically turning the interview around. So it'd be like, so where do you see yourself in five years? I'm not going to answer that question. That's a stupid question. Okay. You next go. You know, like when you love to just do that just once in your life to be sitting in a job interview and just be like, no, that's dumb. I'm not going to answer that. Do you have a better question? If you have a better question, I'll answer your question. <laughs> I and I had lunch with you right after that. I, I do remember that. this. Yeah. You remember that? Yeah, yeah. totally do. Yeah, you were, which is too bad because I think you had some high hopes going into that. You're interested anyway. In, in, well, it was, yeah, I was yeah. interested in, in the idea anyway. Yeah. But then you found yeah. out what was behind the curtain and it was just like, this is so stupid. Yeah. No. And I, I made the right choice. That's the days go on. No, you're 100% right, though. Uh, the other thought I had about this whole payroll thing is are you trying to tell me that if we got like the five smartest, you know, computer science guys? couple of coders, couple of uh, project manager types in their last year of university and said, here you go, guys. You got three weeks. We're going to pay you 50 grand if you can solve this thing. Go. Right. Lock them in a room. I bet you they have the entire thing fixed, taken care of, and sorted inside of you know six days, right? Okay. So not – I. I had, okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna take this ball and and run it a little further up the field if you don't mind because you're 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 100 correct, but the problem is first of all, you're never gonna get people to do that uh, particular scenario for 50 grand. Not when the government's looking at 550 million to get this thing done. But but my point is that it, moreover is that we're into what's called the sunk cost fallacy, right? And it's inexplicable to me that they're even considering continuing on with this program. I I believe it's an IBM program. I believe it's got its roots in IBM. And so you could go – there are many companies that handle payroll and that would be very eager to get a, a piece of a government contract. And the, the notion that they're going to stick with Phoenix is just a complete boondoggle. This is one of the worst things that we've seen a Canadian government stick through. So I I just – I have no clue whatsoever – why somebody hasn't come forward and said, um, we're trying to replace it immediately. Uh, let's have a competition. Like, I'm pretty sure that QuickBooks could probably step in here. <laughs> you know who they're going to give it to? Hmm. Bombardier. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, we can do uh, payroll. Yeah, no problem. Yeah, no problem. We, outsource, not- we just outsource it to France in the end, you know. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> We got a lot of people sitting around not making planes, so <laughs> we can't do your payroll. <laughs> yeah, perfect. The, the uh, There's another thing too. Like I guess uh, Trudeau's apologizing to everybody right now. He's apologizing to the LGBTQ2 plus people. Um, uh, yeah, sure, whatever. Great. 
I think the government needs to stop apologizing. I also saw this thing too, where he's got this apologies, like lining up a date to apologize to residential school survivors of Newfoundland and Labrador. Right. And I distinctly remember like the prime minister, uh, Stephen Harper standing in parliament to do this. So are we going down to like a man? Like, is like are we, it's, you know, we started at the top of the pyramid and it was all in coming. And now we're just like going down till we get to each individual person. Is that how this is going to go? If your last name begins with N, Justin Trudeau will be apologizing to you in November. <laughs> you know, and it's 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 such fodder. Like it's it's such a shitty thing to 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 joke about. But the more that they that they do this stuff, and and um, somebody in our in uh, our, our listening audience sent me this like this screenshot of a questionnaire that was being circulated around. Uh, I don't even know if it was a, a forum, some sort of an online forum for LGBTQ uh, people, but it basically said, like, the Canadian government is planning an apology to us. What do you want to hear in the apology? And it was like, it, the, it, it was like on parliamentary letterhead, basically. Like, you were responding to the office of an MP who was gathering all this shit. You know, for you to say, and and he, whoever the guy, the person who sent this to me was like, you know, in a in a basically a state of disbelief, like we're seriously doing this. I would like them in the apology to include the fact that they have a solution to the Phoenix payroll system. <laughs> well, yeah. So the the thing in Edmonton about the the Eskimos team name, right? Like, same thing. And Don Iveson brought it up. I read this weird thing from from the mayor of Edmonton saying he would like the Eskimos to address it sooner than later because it's going to be an issue next year when Edmonton hosts the Grey Cup. And so I read that and I thought to myself, what? Who's going to make it an issue? And like, furthermore, should you be saying this? Like, should you be going to, should you be saying this in the press that, oh, this is going to, this is a powder keg. They got to get on this. It's like, you're kind of fear-mongering. You don't know that it's going to be an issue. And I can certainly see that it's going to be an issue now that you've endorsed every crusading social justice warrior to, like, you know, uh, make something big out of this. But before we tackle the Edmonton Eskimos team name, could we do something about, like, drug abuse rates and low high school graduation rates and high suicide rates and the actual shit that matters. Like if you really care about the, the, our Inuit peoples, then uh, why don't you do them a solid and stop giving such a fuck about the name of a CFL football team and start giving a fuck about the actual people you're trying to advocate for. Yeah. Uh, I mean, the, the, the take that I read on it was, you know, they, uh, they asked uh, uh, Rachel Notley what she thought, and uh, she said, well, they should definitely lead a discussion about changing it. And I thought, well, okay, that's your personal opinion and that's fine. Um, as far as, you know, from the premier's office, the, I think the proper response is, uh, you know, we don't have anything to do with that. Personally, I think it would be great if they changed the name, but the office of the premier has no comment on this. This is a private business matter. It's, it doesn't matter what we think. Government shouldn't be getting involved in this particular issue right now because it's not really even an issue yet. It's just a media thing right now. Right. You know? Yeah. Yep. And I mean, I get that. Yeah. Well, there's people that are going to be offended and then they'll be marching on, you know, the premier's office. And it's just like, ugh, not everything has to go to the government level. And that's the concern that I start having 
especially when you get, you know, an NDP government in and, you know, the Bill 24 thing is the first sort of inkling of it. Again, I got no problem with GSAs. I got a little bit of a problem with legislating what parents and teachers have to and can't do. Got a little bit of a problem with that. But this is going to be the next thing. And now it's going to be, well, every time someone feels offended, we're going to have to create another law. And this is the problem is that you start making laws so that people can feel better about themselves. And pretty soon those laws are competing with other laws and everything's got to be a law now instead of the old days where we just left the government out of it and we just figured the shit out. Well put. Well put, my friend. Whew. The um, let's uh, let's just change the subject then. I feel like a, this, right. I feel like we've yeah. we've vented so much that we're going to have a have to pay a higher carbon tax on our utility <laughs> bills. <laughs> yeah, and speaking of uh, no, so I was thinking of that because uh, we were starting to get a little a little salty. Um, what's something that happened this week, or something you saw, or something that you did that made you happy, Raj? Tell me about your joy. Oh. Uh, Non-masturbatory, please. <laughs> well, huh? Let me think here. What did I see? What did I, I saw this girl crying. <laughs> oh man, that always makes me so happy. <laughs> <laughs> she's on. A Sorry, phone. go on. She's on the phone, and she's. Wa- it, it was late at night, and I was walking towards her, and she's walking towards me, and she's on the phone, and she was happy. She's fighting with somebody, and then. So that you know that thing where how like there's no you can't hang up a cell phone angry like there's no way to like slam it. So she like I saw that happen. I saw the comic relief and like goodbye, dude. <laughs> but uh, no, nah, she's crying. So I said like, are you okay? Do you need help? And she just said no, and she kept going. And I thought it's too bad. You should have said, come on, baby, turn that smile, turn that frown upside down. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> no, but I just thought like, you know, like it's none of my business and she doesn't want to talk. She doesn't have to talk. But I just sort of thought it was too bad because like sometimes there's strangers can have really impactful moments with each other. Right. And uh, I thought that was an opportunity where something really beautiful could have happened in two minutes between two strangers and it didn't. So I, thought, I just sort of felt like the universe missed an opportunity there for something kind of nice. But that's too bad. And then I had this this guy named Drake, um, not that Drake, uh, another guy named Drake, made me a, a cocktail that had green chartreuse, Luxardo cherry, and Jack Daniels in it. It was actually quite lovely. Mm. Sounds fancy. So that's the highlight of my week right there. A girl crying and then some hard liquor. <laughs> <laughs> so you're mad men. Yeah, exactly. What about you? Give me something. Uh, okay. The two things that I can think of right off the top of my head. Uh, I did a little session today with a group of, uh, planners from the city of Calgary. And there was one moment where they were all kind of leaning in across the table and like not arguing, but like going, okay, this is where my thing has to, okay. And then my thing has, you know, they were taking pieces of a model, putting them together to make a bigger model. So this is one, this is an innovative play session that you're doing. Yeah. This is yeah, innovative play. Yeah. Lego. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah, not, nothing weird. Uh, <laughs> but uh, I just seen all these people, and they were so excited, and they were chatting, and they were they were animated. And I said to them, I said, you know, if I got you seven people sitting around a table at a normal meeting where you just had to go and represent your group at this meeting, there's no way you would be smiling. There's no way you'd be leaning across the table and, and you know shouting and and that kind of thing, right? There's something crazy about that. That 
these are just colleagues and they're so excited about this thing that they're doing that is going to be taken away in 20 minutes and gone forever. But they're so excited about the idea that I get to take my piece and put it on the big thing. And we ended up building a street, like a complete street where we've got, you know, bike path and we've got, uh, you know, a pathway and that kind of thing to, to create city streets and that kind of thing. Right. Our buddy Willem would have loved it. Um, and they, yeah, they just got so excited about it and they're building away. They're running back and grabbing more parts and they're coming over and saying, how can I build this? What can I do? And, that was pretty awesome, I got to say, as far as my day went. Good for you, man. And then I got, yeah. And then I got home and I had ordered. Uh, so I've been I've been uh, lighting up the front of my house. Okay. Not just Christmas lights, but uh, like floodlights. You know, like the sort of the bigger floodlights that you put up, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, we we had a power outage. Uh, the street lights went out. So this is probably about a year ago. And during that time, it was like pitch black on the street. So I put up a bunch of these floodlights and like the whole front of the house is nice and well lit. So you come around the corner and you can see my house. Right. And I try to trim it. So it's not on the neighbor's houses too much and not going in their windows or anything like that. So this week I went on Amazon and I got uh, the problem that I'm having now, sorry, is the stakes that you use are all plastic, right? So the stakes that you use and you angle them and you lock them in with like a wing nut. Um, but they all get stripped and fall apart because of the weather after about a year. Uh, so I need something better. So I was talking to my buddy who works at the Jubilee, uh, my buddy, Mark, you know, Mark as well, uh, asking him if there was some sort of like slightly better solution. And so we chatted for a bit and then went on Amazon and I found these little, uh, led 15 watt floodlights, but they're pretty sweet because they have a little remote and you can go any color of the spectrum with them too. Right. So I was like, oh, this is exciting. Cause now I can make them green and red at Christmas and I can make them red for, you know, Valentine's day. I got to be careful because I don't like to trip the line into gaudy, but uh, yeah, that was the other thing that made me kind of happy. It was putting some color into, into my front yard. I like that. Um, I know what you mean about tripping the line into gaudy though. Right. Cause like you, you want it to be tasteful and like, you know, I don't know, modern, like whatever the vibe you're going for, like you don't want to kind of color outside those lines. But I do think that like there's no use like just being a little bit gaudy. Like if you go like full Liberace, that's awesome. <laughs> yeah, like I'm not the guy who buys the inflatable snowman and the you know all that stuff and puts the lights on that go to a song and you know you know f- flashing and strobe lights and that. That's that's not my thing. I like things a little a little more classical than than that. Uh, but, but color, we're very into color. So I like to have lots of color. We got trees in the backyard. We'll put a different color lights on each of those trees in the backyard. And then the front yard, we've got some mostly sort of purples and greens and that kind of thing. And just try to be a little bit, you know, on, on that side of the line. Uh, but my thing now is they're not Christmas lights anymore. All right. Now right. they're winter lights. They're winter lights. Yeah. Cause I don't, you know what? I don't want to take them. Down. I don't want to put them up and only have them on three <laughs> weeks out of the, the year. Right. In the middle of February, when things are horrible and dark all the time, what's better than a little bit of light, a little bit of color in your, in your day, you know? That's so funny. So winter lights, not out of political correctness, but kind of out of laziness in a way. <laughs> <laughs> no, you know, it's a good point. Like, it, but it's such a stigma, right? Like no one ever sees Christmas lights on a house in February and goes, oh, you know, that's that's nice. They just think like, oh, God, dude, take down your Christmas lights. They just think that you're some schlub who can't get off the couch. 
Well, and uh, so the, sorry, these these five trees in the backyard, we also have just just white lights that we put in them. We put them up during the summer and they look spectacular, right? They get the whole backyards lit up and everything looks really nice and that kind of thing. So then, you know, I'll take a picture occasionally and people will be like, oh, you still got your Christmas lights. I'm like, no, we have different lights that go up to Christmas. Those are just the white lights. But it's like so you can't put lights on of any kind anymore uh, without people going, oh, yeah, yeah look, Christmas. Bah, bah, bah. <laughs> Yeah, I lived in a condo building that had like a bylaw that your Christmas lights have to be down by like January 4th or something like that. It's like that sounds terrible. <laughs> well, but it's also like what's the A, what's the problem? And B, like I want to I want to know who the guy on the condo board was, like who joined just for that reason. You know, cuz like yeah. there's some people who are like, yeah, you know, no no garbage cans out uh 3 days before the raccoons get in there, you know, they string it across the parking lot. Yeah, it's a good one, Vern. That's a good point. We'll write that down. Hey, anybody else got anything? <laughs> you know? Yeah, no Christmas lights. I don't like it when people leave them up. <laughs> <It's>, uh, <laughs> how did you get <laughs> voted in again? See, for me it's that it's that thing, right? So a lot of people go away for Christmas or or go away on a trip to somewhere warm in December. And I don't get that because in December, you're just starting to get cold, right? Mm -hmm. Like this year, we had a bit of a cold November, but often, you know, December, it's not that bad. The, you still got a bit of light out. It's, it's February, right? You've gone through January. It's dark. It's cold. February is also cold. It's still dark. There's no end in sight. Right. That's that's kind of to me, that's the kind of the, the time you want to go away, like late January, early February, because you want to escape that winter. But it's the same idea. Right. Put some lights on, get some light on, make start, start feeling good about yourself because Christmas is a great time. Everybody's in a good mood. There's lots of color and songs. And after that, it's just like nothing bleakness <laughs> until Easter now. Yeah. Yeah, I see. Your, I think that's a good point. I don't I get like uh I'm one of these people who gets depressed around Christmas time. So I feel like I got to go away somewhere. I got to kind of get a little charge in me before I come back and face all that stuff. Well, fair enough. I mean, it's, it's fun to go away at Christmas too. I put you in I a find. bit of a spot there. I don't know what you were supposed to say to that. <laughs> Sorry, but <laughs> yeah. no, we've done, we've gone and done the Palm Springs, the La Quinta resort a couple times right before Christmas. Mm -hmm. Nobody goes away in the States at Christmas, by the way, they all go away for Thanksgiving. So you can get some scorching deals on hotels down there, especially the week of Christmas. Yeah. Cause it's dead. Um, the problem we always have is because we have the kids, right? The kids don't like going away at Christmas because they know they have to wait longer for most of their presents, right? Right, yeah. Because I'm not. There's no way I'm dragging all that stuff down there. So you get a couple things, and then when you get home, you can open the rest of it. Yeah, and your presents will fit in my luggage. <laughs> That's yeah. right. Yeah. Um. But yeah, we've gone away a couple times. I mean, if it was Hawaii or something, that would be fun too, right? I've always wanted to do that, but. The problem is the flights, right? You can get down there cheap enough. It's just getting back anytime near Christmas, flying home the week of Christmas, the week after Christmas, you're just paying through the nose, right? Mm -hmm. do, do you, um, do, do people still ask you what you want for Christmas? Your wife aside, do people ask you what you want for Christmas? Um, no, my kids do. I don't know if that counts or not. I guess they're going to buy uh, you something. It's cute. Yeah. You want to get gifts from your kids. Yeah. What am I thinking? Yeah. I still get asked, and, and I'm always like, I literally want people to take things from me for Christmas. I want you to come <laughs> to my house and remove articles that I have. Well, and it's so funny because, you know, you go through this with your folks, too, and uh, they're like, oh, don't get me anything, right? And you're like, well, of course I want to get you something. 
But you know, now I'm a dad and I get it. It's like, I don't want to take money out of your pocket, right? It's mm-hmm. probably my money to start with. So don't spend it on me, right? <clears throat> I always tell my kids, uh, even for my birthday, whatever it is, um, when they say, oh, what do you want for your birthday? Or what do you want for Christmas, dad? I always say, I want you to sit down and I want you to to draw and color a picture of Batman for me. Nice. That's awesome. And then I've got these Ikea wardrobe doors, right? The big tall doors. And so every time they make one, I slap it on the inside of that thing. And so I've got pictures from, you know, from littlest to biggest, you know, and, uh, to me, that's the perfect thing to get because it's something that I'm going to look at. It's something that says, Oh yeah, I put some time and effort in for you. And it's not, you know, a tie and it's not a pair of socks and it's not a watch or something like that. So. See, you have like a, me, cr- that's a chronology of Batman drawings then? Like every yeah. year your kids do this? Well, maybe not every year, but yeah, I've got a decent amount of them. That's this really, point, yeah. really cool. That's a cool progression. Yeah. yeah. If I think about it, I'll, uh, I'll take a couple of pictures and, uh, and throw them up with the, with the, the, the pod. See, I think that's one of those things you shouldn't. I think too that, private. Well, it's not that it's too private, but it's just sort of like the thought of that is really, really cool. You know, and it's sort of like it's like the notion of of some dreams shouldn't come true, right? Just because they're better <laughs> off as dreams. I don't know. Yeah. Okay. Well, fair enough. You know what I mean? It's like I'd rather fantasize about Charlize Theron than be disappointed by her. <laughs> uh. Yeah. No. So that's my thing for from the kids, anyways. And then my problem is I'm an Amazon guy, and so I'll go on and buy whatever I want as it comes up. So yeah. I'm hard. I'm one of those hard to shop for people because I. I always kind of pick up whatever it is that I want or need. Yeah. Though my wife does a great job. She does a lot of, she makes me a lot of t-shirts. Yep. So like you'll, you'll recall her and you know, your, your wife and I were joking about this quite a bit, uh, this size of your penis. That is, uh, Oh no, wait, that was, Oh, I can't believe I what just occurred. Yeah, I know. I walked you right into that one. Oh man. Um, How am I supposed to no, respond? So- How am I supposed to react to that? <laughs> um, so we were talking about uh, there was a the, a meme from The Walking Dead, right? Mm-hmm. Where you do like dad jokes, and it's uh, it's Rick talking to Carl when he's little at the the prison, yeah. and it's like Carl, Carl, this is what happened, <laughs> right? And so I was posting tons of these memes, put, putting dad jokes in them, and you know, and your wife would constantly like laugh about them, and and we'd talk about them online and that. So my, so my wife made me a t shirt with one of them on it. And so it's like, that's the perfect kind of gift. Cause I wouldn't have thought about that. And right. you know, it's a, it's a little, so she's good at, at doing that kind of stuff. Now that's something you should post online. That's something you should yeah. share. <laughs> yeah. She made me a Lego Batman shirt one mm-hmm. year. Nice. Yeah. I'm still rubbing the that's- bruise from the penis disc. That was like the crane kick of, of digs <sighs> right there. <laughs> Sorry. Um, yeah, I, it, it is totally weird. I think that there's two things that irritate me. One is when people um, on my list buy stuff for themselves in the weeks before Christmas, because invariably, like, you know, you're going to have some dupli- duplication there, which is too bad. Um, but uh, the other thing is like, so my brother listens to this podcast and he, my brother's a very sweet guy. Um, we, when I got a chance to go for breakfast with him and his son, uh, my nephew in, uh, in Ottawa when I was there last weekend or a couple weekends ago, I guess. But, um, you know, so I bought breakfast, right? It's no big deal. But the thing is, is that 
Uh, it's my pleasure, first of all, to be able to treat my brother. I don't get to see him very often. It's also my pleasure to be able to treat my nephew who I don't get to see very often. So I think that I win the check right there. But then afterwards, my brother wants to buy me a, a small gift. So he bought me this, this lovely notepad <clears throat> that um, is really I really quite like it. And I've been using it um, diligently ever since he gave it to me. Um, and it was this, a modest expense. It was a very small expense. But the point is, is that every time somebody who has kids buys me something, I always think like, no, spend that money on your children. Like that's where that money should be going. And it's just a reflex of mine. And I wonder if I shouldn't get over that. <laughs> well, I mean, if you like the notebook, then that's, that's a cool thing. Like that's a, that's a nice gift that, you know, it has some sentimental value to you. And if it becomes a functional, useful thing, that's awesome too. Um, I have one of those, you know, the moleskin yep. journals, right? So a buddy of ours, uh, Levi McDougal, who's made a name for himself down in the Hollywood. Uh, he's uh, a writer for Conan O'Brien currently. Really funny guy. So if you ever get a chance to see Levi, I think he's in town shortly for the YY Comedy Fest coming yeah, up. Nice. Or, or maybe that has already passed and I'm, you know, no, that's probably already passed now that I think about it because we're in November and that's usually October. Anyway, so next time you see Levi McDougal in town, go see him. He's hilarious. He used to work with uh, Dimitri Martin quite a bit. Now he's writing for Conan. Um, and so one day I get this little package in the mail and it's, it's, it's this moleskin and it's, it's got Lego, like a Lego drawing on the front cover and it's got a little Lego piece inset. And I opened it up and he wrote in the front of it, you know, I saw this, you probably have a hundred of these by now, but I saw this and, and decided that, you know, it needed to be yours kind of thing. And I, I was really touched by that That's and cool, I yeah. use it all the time. And it's like one of those gifts where it was probably just something you thought of in the spur of the moment. But it's that kind of thing that's, you know, it's got the ripple effect. It's got repercussions, right? And so now I'm more likely to go, you know what? That was really cool when he did that for me. So, hey, the next time I see something that makes me think of somebody else, I'm going to go out of my way and do that kind of thing. So I like that. That's, that is really cool. That is really cool. Um, I'm trying to think of what, what that is for me. And I think it's just when people see something. Like I have a friend who sent me a picture from a baseball game. You know, I can't remember. I think they were in uh, Arizona for a spring training game and just sent me a picture that said, you'd love it here. And I was just like, oh, my God, that's so cool. Like you are at a baseball game. You thought about me. That's wicked. Thank you so much. It like, totally makes my day, that stuff. Um, yeah. No, that's good. That's a really good point, man. Just like if somebody is moved to, to uh, uh, you know, uh, reach out to you or touch you or, or communicate with you uh, because they're reminded of you in a, at, a, at a distant place. And I think that's pretty rad. Well, and I mean, to a much lesser effect or, or a much lesser degree, uh, it's the same thing where, you know, everybody I know on Facebook, if someone sees something about Lego, they'll be like, hey, Dave, have you seen this? And I'm like, well, the odds of that I haven't seen it are pretty low because, you know, I'm, I'm trolling all the Lego websites and seeing everything as it comes up. And all of my friends are big Lego friends or, fa uh, you know, fans. And so if something's happened in the world of Lego, I probably know about it before the average person. But I never like get down on people or never get on their case for sending me, even if I get 50 links to the same website, because really what they're saying is, hey, I was thinking of you or, hey, this reminded me of you. So here you go. Right. right. Yeah. So, I mean, there's no point never being like, oh, fuck, why do people keep sending me this thing? It's like <laughs> because they're thinking of you, jackass. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> oh, man. You know, that's a good note to, to tie it off on, buddy. We've been uh, I think we've had a a. a delightful run on this edition of the national talkie league podcast uh we've played a full 82 minutes <laughs> and uh which is i believe in is there any sport that plays like four 20 minute quarters what's aussie rules football i think it's in that neighborhood 
something like that. Yeah. Soccer would be 90 and 245s. Right. Okay. So we're getting close to full time here for a football match. Um, yeah. So uh, I guess we'll, we'll, uh, we'll reconvene on these very podcast waves uh, in a week. Excellent. It's been fun as always. Uh, uh, loving the fact that we're getting a lot of uh, conversation going on. We keep talking about this, but uh, I think the talkies are amazing. Um, so last week we were a little bit late getting the podcast out because of some travel stuff. And we had two different people on Twitter be like, okay, guys, what's going on? Where's the podcast? Yeah, I think we could it's, probably do a better job of letting you know when there's going to be some service disruption. So, uh, right. Like, and again, I'm, that's I'm certainly not getting on anyone's case for telling us that. In fact, I kind of liked it. Oh, because totally. It just awesome. says that people are excited about hearing the podcast. For and, sure. So that's fantastic. So yeah, if you are excited about the podcast, Tell your friends, share it around a little bit. Let's get some some crazy talky action happening. Yeah, and uh, Dave and I continue to uh, try and work out uh, some logistics for uh, more of like a, a face-to-face or as the French would say, a visage au visage. No, they wouldn't say that. It's not a French. They'd say uh, face-to-face. They would say, oh, you are here too? <laughs> All right, you can't stay. I will stay too. But be quiet. I want to have my buff. My buff if, if they were Quebecois, they'd be all like, hey, Jean-Guy Rubber Buta, go down to the depaner, get me a Pepsi. We'll talk about it after, huh? <laughs> all right. So, as always, thank you so much for listening. And please, by all means, uh, leave us a favorable five star review in the uh, wherever you get your podcasts from uh, that help other people discover this podcast called the National Talkie League. And Dave, do you have a secret word that you'd love to see included in any of the uh, uh, in any of the reviews on these websites? Uh, what I'd like to see in a, a review, if you want to put one up, is uh, something that discusses the kaleidoscope that is the National Talkie League. Well done, well done. All right, until next time, our amis. Uh, be swell. You've been listening to the National Talking League. Show notes from this episode can be found at nationaltalkingleague.com. Support for this podcast comes from you. Please share it on social media, give a five-star review in your favorite podcast store, and connect with us on Facebook. On behalf of Roger Kincaid and Dave Ware, thank you.